Three Dog Thursday on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network presented by MyBookie.ag. The UFC is back on Saturday night and MyBookie has a $49 risk-free bet. And if you use the promo code SGP, you can get $1,000 in bonus bets. That's MyBookie.ag. Use our promo code SGP, MyBookie.ag slash SGP to play, win, and get paid with MyBookie. We're also brought to you in part by the Madden Mayhem Simulation Tournament ongoing right now. We're giving away $10,000 in MyBookie credits to the winners with the best brackets in the Madden Mayhem. Plus, you can bet on all of the games, including live game wagering for these simulations in the Madden Tournament. Get all the info at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Madden. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Madden for more on the Madden Simulation Tournament. We're also brought to you in part by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in pay-per-head providers, and they make it super easy to start your own sports book. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free over at aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP. Football fans. It's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, TJ Reed. Hey there and welcome back into the only digital radio show that is devoted exclusively to those doggies and normally we have lots of games and lots of underdogs to talk about still social distancing still isolating but gradually sports beginning to come back here in the United States if not North America and elsewhere and that's good news amongst the coronavirus pandemic that's been going on we got to remain positive we got to we got to look towards the future And sports can be part of that, just as sports in part was leading the way on shutting everything down and everybody going inside over the course of the last nine weeks now. Sports can gradually lead the way here on coming back and returning to some normalcy and uh, instilling some confidence in, in great parts of the country. So in any event, I'm looking forward to a really fun show uh, with some great guests uh, here to start talking about uh, sports resuming. Uh, straight ahead, Brian Edwards will be here. Love Brian's insight uh, from Vegas Insider and MajorWager.com. He's got lots of thoughts on the UFC fight card last week. Talk about trailblazing. Dana White and his MMA organization held a fight card in Florida with no fans last week. It's really the first sporting event of substance national TV slash pay-per-view like this was since the shutdown the second week in March. They're continuing to have fights, including this Saturday night uh, in Florida, and we'll have several other fight cards coming later this month and next month in Ultimate Fighting. And Brian has got some great insights, some predictions for the fights. I realize it may not be everybody's cup of tea, but uh, it it is something that uh, if the numbers are to be to believe, and there were over 700,000 pay-per-view buys, that would have translated at $65 a pop to somewhere around $40-plus million. It ended up being very lucrative for Ultimate Fighting to go ahead and put that uh, card on. So Brian will have more thoughts on that. I'll also talk to him a bit about the NFL schedule release uh, and some of the, the latest uh, under-over odds on number of wins this season from NFL teams. Since last we talked here on Three Dog Thursday, we now have a good idea uh, of exactly whom is playing whom in what order. We knew the opponents, but now we know what order. For example, my Tampa Bay Buccaneers that now have welcomed Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski into the fold will be opening at NFC South rival New Orleans. Uh, That's been a common foe on the road early in the season, if not the first game of the season throughout many years. Uh, And so now it is Brady against Breeze for the first of two times in New Orleans to open the year. The Bucs on national standalone Sunday night or Monday night games five times right now as it stands, or five total with a Thursday night game also uh, in Chicago. A Monday night game in New York. Uh, as well as uh, playing a Sunday night game in Las Vegas at the new stadium with the Raiders, and then a Sunday night game back rematching the Saints at home against uh, Peyton Breeze and company. 
And then also a Monday night game against the LA Rams. Interesting that Las Vegas did not draw the opening Monday night doubleheader as the second game as, as had been theorized. I've been talking about they instead will play the following week on Monday night football against those same New Orleans Saints with the South and the West of the AFC playing each other, NFC South, AFC West this year. Chiefs obviously open defense of their title with the Texans as it stands right now on Thursday night football. And again, we're hopeful as all the optimism goes that the NFL stays on track that facilities will begin to open up at some point in June. You can have some workouts, some mini camps, have July training camp, have a, a preseason in August. We'll wait to see how all of that unfolds with the start to the season. They have contingency plans in place. What happens if they are delayed? Uh, the NFL has planned and has contingency plans to play all the way through without a bye week and without a weekend between the Super Bowl. So if you have to delay things a couple of weeks, that contingency plan apparently exists as well. But we've got so much time, folks. I keep saying this on the podcast. Right now, we're debuting Three Dog Thursday here and uh, and doing so at this point uh, in the middle of May. And so as, as we work along, and it's May the 14th on the debut of Three Dog Thursday, we don't have to decide September on May the 14th or on May the 31st, as I keep saying, or June the 14th or June the 30th. Take things by each week or each couple of weeks and evaluate and decide what to do. And so we'll talk more uh, about this with our guests. So Brian will be here. He'll talk some NFL schedule. He's also got some thoughts on some college basketball scandals uh, involving Zion Williamson and Duke and the Kansas penalties that are coming up. Then speaking of positivity, uh, NASCAR resuming and Shannon Spake of Fox Sports, who does a great job hosting the Race Hub show and their pre-race coverage on, uh, on Race Hub. NASCAR back at Darlington, one of the smaller uh, iconic tracks of old school NASCAR will hold the first uh, top line stock car race since uh, things were shut down the second week in March. Remember, they ran the Daytona 500. They ran out west in California and Las Vegas. And then as they were coming back to the eastern time zone and the east coast to race in Atlanta and then some of the tracks in North Carolina, etc., things got shut down because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, now NASCAR will come back. And, and look, what better sport uh, to practice social distancing? The, the drivers are going to be in cars. They're not going to be in contact with each other like football or like basketball. And amazingly, Shannon will detail this. It's not just a race this weekend, this Sunday on Fox, but she's going to be part of four different Cup Series broadcast in about a 12-day period, 11, 12-day period, Two of them Sundays, two of them on Wednesdays, including the 600-mile uh, race in Charlotte that traditionally happens uh, on Memorial Day weekend Sunday night. So she'll detail more of that. Love catching up with her. Shannon also works the NFL on Fox for the sidelines. And, of course, I'm on the sidelines for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So we'll talk a little bit about uh, Brady Gronkowski and all of that and all the optimism and what she's up to with her family. And before we are done, how much are you enjoying the last dance a uh, documentary series about the Chicago Bulls of 1997-98 and really all the 1990s. But the documentary is focusing on the final year of Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Coach Phil Jackson, and how all of that came together. And the final championship, six titles, three more in a row, six in eight years, being unveiled in a 10-part series on ESPN. Lou Canellis will be here. Longtime Chicago sportscaster and media personality on the radio calls, uh, pregame, halftime, postgame of Bulls Radio for the first three championships on television work uh, with Sports Channel, what's now NBC Sports Chicago, uh, for uh, Bulls coverage. He's been a longtime sportscaster now with Fox 32 in Chicago, talking the sports up. He's a Chicago native. He has tremendous insight and great takes on the last dance, on the documentary series, What Did They Get Right?, I will tell you in advance, he is ready to to just blast. He's putting Jerry Krause, the late Jerry Krause, the GM, on blast for what he did back in the late 1990s. And you'll want to hear Luke Canellis' thoughts on this as he'll close out uh, the podcast. A reminder, if you've not done so already, however you found this podcast, either through our friends at Sports Gambling Podcast Network and their fleet of shows and their social media link and their feeds, uh, their website, sportsgamblingpodcast.com. If you found the, the podcast through a social media link of mine 
We're of Three Dog Thursday. By the way, you can follow this show at Three Dog Thursday. Uh, you can also follow me uh, at Buck Sideline Guy, B-U-C, Buck Sideline Guy. However you found the show, subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, on Spreaker, et cetera, et cetera. Subscribe and the show comes automatically to you. Let's build it up. The, the show uh, comes your way on Thursdays. Uh, traditionally, college football and NFL is our forte. We then morph into college basketball. So really, August to April has traditionally been the schedule. But I'm rocking on uh, here into May because we're anticipating that the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs may be back. And I will be here with you on Three Dog Thursday giving you underdog advice and selections uh, and fun and analysis and previews and stories. But again, subscribe and the podcast comes automatically to you whenever there are new ones. Go to Apple Podcasts, search Three Dog Thursday, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts, Stitcher, Spreaker, it's all available on those sites, on those outlets. Uh, Love it there. All right. So with that out of the way, let's get to our guest. Brian Edwards up first from Vegas Insider, MajorWager.com. We also have Shannon Spake of Fox Sports talking NASCAR. Lou Canellas from Fox 32 in Chicago, longtime Chicago sportscaster talking the Bulls in the last dance. Thank you for finding us on Three Dog Thursday. Let's get rolling. Always love coming back around to our analyst, our uh, odds maker, our insider. Here is part of Three Dog Thursday. He is Brian Edwards of Vegas Insider and MajorWager.com, who is all about the UFC, which is obviously having a busy little time period here in May. First of all, good to have you uh, as we continue to roll along here. I know the state of Florida has begun to partially open up. Sports getting back in action, as I've been mentioning. We're going to talk some NASCAR with Shannon Spake uh, coming up from Fox Sports about the NASCAR resuming. But we already have UFC, and UFC 249, by and large, lived up to a lot of the billing the other night. So, Brian, good to have you, and I know the UFC uh, particularly was of interest to you the other night. Yeah, thanks for having me, as always, TJ. And, you know, I thought UFC 249, you know, no um, live sports on the sidelines nearly two months. They were front and center, and I thought the card delivered. And then some, I didn't really think there was any duds at all. I thought Cowboy and Showtime Pettis had a thriller. I thought that should have got fight of the night. Uh, Ferguson and Gaethje, the main event, did get fight of the night. I thought it was a little too one-sided, for it to get fight of the night, but uh, Ferguson fought through a broken orbital bone. He gets stopped in the fifth round. What an epic performance by Justin Gaethje, and now he'll get Habib Nurmagomedov perhaps as early as July on Fight Island, according to comments by Dana White on an uh, ESPN Chicago outlet yesterday. And the odds uh, for Habib and Gaethje are out. Uh, Habib is now down to minus 235 with Gaethje plus 200 on the comeback. And uh, Francis Ngannou had a 22nd um, knockout, (laughs) and that was the under that I promoted last week. And Ngannou is now listed as a minus 140 favorite for a potential heavyweight title fight against Daniel Cormier at plus 120. And then I hit Gaethje at plus 160. And so it was a good night. It was a good night for the UFC. They had that hiccup with uh, uh, Jacare testing positive for COVID-19. Uh, but uh, apparently, you know, the Florida Commission still gave the show its blessings. And I think we would have found out by now if uh, any other fighters, you know, tested positive or anything. So well, you bring uh, up a it, good it point. It went off. Yeah, you bring yeah, up a good go point. They were ready for it, Brian. The the UFC, Dana White, his organization, uh, the the commission, they had guidelines in place that it was not just simply going to shut the event down. And I think that's going to be important moving forward for other events, not just in the state of Florida, but all over the country for these different pro sports leagues. Uh, if the boxing promotions want to hold fights, what are you going to do if a fighter tests positive before your event? Does it shut down your event? You know, in the NBA, hypothetical, if it's a player, does it shut down the entire team? Does it shut down the entire series that they're playing for a few days while they test everybody again? They got to have this worked out in the guideline. But 
um, in, in the UFC's case, they're to be credited because they had a plan. They isolated him. They said uh, if he tests positive while he's in isolation here at the beginning, he's not going to be around anybody. He's not going to weigh in, and he's not going to be allowed to compete. So they were ready on uh, on that point. So they are having a third fight card in seven days on Saturday night. And I know there's a there's a particular interesting fight and story angle with a former Alabama football player that's involved in this in this third of three UFC fight cards coming Saturday. Tell me a little more about that and what we should watch out for, real quick. Yeah, so Eric Anders, who was a key part of the BCS championship game win for Alabama over Texas, he had seven tackles, a sack, and a forced fumble. Uh, in that game, and many might remember that forced fumble set up the spread-covering touchdown with about a, I want to say it was like a minute and a half, two minutes left. Anyhow, <laughs> he is a plus. So wait, wait, wait. Uh, You're and, saying and he was a hero <laughs> to many for that sack fumble. He yeah. was a hero uh, among among uh, a lot of short-term investors. I like it. So keep going about the UFC bio. Yes. Uh, absolutely. So, yeah, Anders is uh, as we're recording midweek, he's a, a around a plus one thirty five uh, underdog on Saturday's card, and I like Eric Anders. He's had a couple of controversial uh, losses, both of which I scored for him uh, that are on his resume, but I thought he won those fights. And uh, another one of his losses, he took on short notice, went up a weight class and uh, went all the way down to Brazil and lost a heartbreaker that was fight of the night. He's now won back-to-back fights. I think he's going to win his third in a row as a short underdog on Saturday night in Jacksonville. And I have one other dog, uh, uh, excuse me, one other underdog, and that would be Matt Brown around plus 165 as he uh, fights a young Brazilian, Miguel Baeza. And uh, I like, so Matt Brown and Eric Anders as underdogs on Saturday's UFC Jacks card. Brian Edwards with me hanging out here, Vegas Insider, MajorWager.com. One more quick comment uh, from you, and then let's move on to some other stuff. You obviously are hardcore into this. How did you find it with no crowd in terms of the viewing experience? Were you fine with it as, as somebody uh, that really religiously watches this, covers this, uh, you know, breaks down the odds and the lines? What did you think? I prefer the crowd, but, you know, for those that like to gamble, I mean, it, whatever, man, we, we've got stuff to gamble on that's live, and you do get to hear the punches, and that's mm. another thing that helps you understand what a performance it was by Justin Gaethje and what a chin Ferguson had to be taking those bombs that never dropped him. Uh, so from the fighting experience, you know, hearing those right hands and those left hands land, uh, you can hear them a lot better with no fans. Well, and we theorized that Ferguson was the guy cutting the weight, right? Two different times, and all the all the yeah. post analysis is that may have greatly affected his stamina, his resiliency, having any legs, figurative legs left. Uh, yeah, so you got to be careful of that. I know you were asking me before we press the record button, what about boxing? Will there be some boxing, at least in the state of Florida? Interesting that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis on Wednesday afternoon basically said uh, to, to all professional sports leagues, hey, if you need to relocate teams or situations, this is for Major League Baseball, trying to figure out their schedule, potential NBA playoffs, boxing cards, you can come to Florida. We are opening up for business as long as you're practicing the guidelines, the social distancing, having the protective masks, the gloves, the coronavirus testing for all the participants and everybody involved. You can come and do this. So I'm curious. There's not a fight card right now scheduled for June, but there may be. Out of the one, out of the major promotions, they may be looking at this UFC stuff, Brian, and and may jump at this. Not with the biggest names, but at least with a couple of televised fight cards. Somebody may utilize Florida here because of of what DeSantis and the and the state are at least offering and inviting. I think it's a huge window of opportunity for the sport of boxing, which has seen its fan base decline. Uh, rapidly over the last decade and change and a chance to get some boxers and some fighters and some personalities right there front and center, you know, on the national sports stage when we don't really have anything else and get some fighter stories out there. And maybe you can draw back some fans and get some new ones. I think boxing should take advantage of this opportunity. Yeah. Uh, there's no doubt that Bob Arum and Top Rank uh, are a huge promotion. They're based in Las Vegas. They're talking to Las Vegas and Nevada 
They want to try to fight in California. Oscar De La Hoya's Golden Boy Promotions loves to fight in California, if not Las Vegas. But right now, it's anybody's guess, Brian, as to what can go on when in California uh, with the state government, with uh, the governor Gavin Newsom, with the local officials. I mean, you had a you had a local a health official in in Los Angeles County basically say we're we're not going to open up. Everybody is going to need to remain sheltered uh, here for the next ninety or more days, probably into August, if not September. And I know they're going crazy in Southern California over that announcement right now. But you've got NFL teams, you've got colleges for the upcoming college football season that are all wondering what's going on in California. Utter insanity. I mean, look, I get it if you want to extend it one month, but can't we let the stats and the data come in before you just make this bold <laughs> proclamation of three months? It's right. insanity and Ron, Governor Ron DeSantis taking advantage. I mean, we might have the Jacksonville Warriors or the, uh, <laughs> you know, we might have the Orlando. Oh, hey. um, yeah, pick Clippers, pick one, right? Well, we do know. Yeah, Orlando we, Clippers. We do know that the Disney Wide World of Sports is an option that the NBA has been thinking about and talking about for a neutral site to do the biodome thing and bring maybe half of the Eastern, maybe bring the Eastern Conference playoff teams to Orlando. We'll see if they choose uh, to do that or not. But yeah, the California, the California thing uh, is crazy, and you know, uh, again, we keep pointing out. Uh, that right now we are doing this podcast in mid-May. And look how far we've come in, in our understanding just in the last six or seven weeks. Uh, who knows what we're talking about in mid-June or mid-July for the effects of the coronavirus. So I'm absolutely with you. How are you projecting August, September, or even later for the for the California state education system to be saying, we're going to close all of the school campuses for the remainder of the year, for the next seven months, we're going to go ahead and project and proclaim no open college campuses. To me, that seems uh, excessive and premature because you can obviously make that judgment in July, which is your point, Brian. You can make that judgment if you want uh, the first or second week in July, that this is what we need to continue to do. Yeah, and I, I think that because some people, you know, at first they were talking about, you know, people, you know, at a certain age and whatnot, and then, you know, it turned out some young people got sick. But I think the stats show that, you know, people under the age of 40 are, are hardly dying at all. I mean, the percentages in the stats show that it's not happening. So this shut college campuses, it just seems insanity to me, this far out at least. Mm, all right. Uh, okay, so the NFL did, speaking of, speaking of the football uh, aspect of it, the NFL did release its schedule since last we talked, Brian Edwards, on Three Dog Thursday. And the win totals for the different teams, I mean, we're all paying attention to the different schedules. You know, the Rams are going to open up uh, the new stadium in los angeles on sunday night football uh the the chiefs are going to play the texans in the first game as it's scheduled right now uh for the thursday night um again for uh, my tampa bay buccaneers they're opening in new orleans uh to start the year with a division rival but we're we're seeing some of these different games and where they're going to go on the sunday night schedule out the monday night schedule out so interesting on the win totals the chiefs and the Ravens are both still 11.5 on the win totals in the NFL. 49ers and Saints, 10.5. Uh, very interesting. 49ers obviously won the NFC last year. Saints perennially good. And then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers now with Tom Brady coming as the free agent quarterback are next at 9.5 on the win total, joining the Philadelphia Eagles. The Patriots without Brady, by the way, still a 9 on the win total. And I I know we talked uh, some last week about New England. I talked with one of the other guests last week, Chris Giannini of the Winning Cures Everything podcast last week about New England. I, I would take that under, on, on under 9 right now for the New England Patriots. What, if anything, do you make of those numbers that I'm, I'm rolling out, Chiefs and Ravens at the top with 11 and a half win totals 49ers and saints 10 and a half buccaneers nine and a half eagles nine and a half patriots nine i'm just annoyed my falcons don't get to get some of your bucks till mid-september i mean mid-december yeah. and the bucks and the saints get to go to vegas and you get to do so at night whereas <laughs> the falcons have to host the Raiders in the first year that they're in Vegas, so I'm pissed about both of those. Years. Right, the Saints will be the first regular season game, you're correct, on Monday Night Football, 
and the Buccaneers will come in there later on in the year on a Sunday night, as it stands right now in that new uh, Vegas Allegiant Stadium uh, named after the airline that's playing. So uh, your Falcons, by the way, seven and a half on the win total. One other curious one, the Dolphins with Tua Tonga-Vailoa. How soon is he going to play or not? The win total is six uh, now that the schedule is out. And, of course, they open in New England, where a year ago they closed in New England and kept the Patriots from being able to get the bye and being able to get uh, home field advantage uh, as the two seed. Uh, they they beat them on the final regular season week. Bamo, the Patriots are back on the field. Uh, what, the following weekend, and the Tennessee Titans came in and ended their season. Uh, so, uh, again, New England will host Miami in week one for this year. How about uh, on on this on the schedule? New England hosting Miami and then the next week have to go out to Seattle and week 4 playing at Kansas City. Belichick better have them ready to go, better have Jared Stidham ready to go. If you don't beat the Dolphins, Brian Edwards, they could be looking at three losses in the first four games at Seattle and at Kansas City, right? I mean, what do we know? We got a long way before we start playing games, but if they if they don't win that early one in the division, Good luck at Seattle. Good luck at Arrowhead. Yeah, and I, I think the Dolphins, I, I lean, I'm not saying I love it or anything, but I lean over six there. That team was playing very good football at the end of last season. I like Flores, and um, I, I like their draft. And, look, I mean, they can play. They can be pretty good with Fitzpatrick. And then, you know, if two is healthy and coming along, then, you know, watch out. So, uh I, I, I'm 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 a hard lean on the Dolphins over six. Very interesting there on the NFL numbers. All right, a couple more minutes. Brian Edwards, MajorWager.com. I know you can't ever pass up an opportunity to take swipes at Coach K at Duke. I have affection for Coach K uh, professionally with some different stuff he's done for me. I know he, he does a lot of stuff with the V Foundation. They win a bunch. They're hated because they're the Dukies. And now we have controversy with Zion Williamson and his ex-agent uh, basically saying that Zion had the handout and they were being almost as well taken care of as if he was in the NBA while he was at Duke. Go ahead, Brian. Uh, what do you make of all of these allegations that are out there? Well, I've just found it uh, amusing and comical throughout these whatever it's been two, three years of you know the FBI you know wiretap information getting out, and all these players where there were issues with them at other schools, they all ended up at Duke. And yet, you know, you never heard Coach K or, or anything. And I'm talking about from Marvin Bagley to Lance Thomas to Wendell Carter uh, and beyond. And so now, finally, with this Zion lawsuit, uh, we finally have some accusations of that sort. But, you know, we'll see how that one plays out. But Kansas is in deep, deep, deep trouble. I mean, five level one yep. uh, violations or allegations, I guess, I guess I should say. And and then, you know, Kansas responds vehemently denying everything. And then the NCAA responds to that. And <laughs> I tell you what, man, I mean, we might be looking at like, you know, the biggest penalty ever for a college basketball program. I mean, I heard Pat Forty say, you know, maybe more than two years. Of, of like you know, not just scholarship reduction two years of no NCAA tournament wow. which is unheard of especially so, for a blue uh, blood especially was- for somebody like Kansas absolutely and Bill Self could be right in the crosshairs uh, on that too so you're right um, it, it, there's some yeah. serious and allegations there back- it's it's curious to see how, how how much Jeff Long, the AD, who wasn't necessarily there all that time, or he was at Arkansas forever. I think he's been in place there maybe two years. Uh, and the university, whatever it is, chancellor, president, standing firmly behind him in the face of these allegations of like you know we haven't seen really since Reggie Bush, uh, and I don't know that we have really on the basketball level. So. Um, that's going to be interesting to watch unfold. Yes, and of course the Reggie Bush thing at the root of it was a disgruntled guy that thought he should have been the agent, and so then he started ratting out that he had basically put the family up in a house uh, and had been had lavished the Bushes, including Reggie, with money and with gifts. Got to watch out for those uh, for those disgruntled uh, money guys that think they're owed whatever it is that they're sure. owed. We'll see where it goes uh, with Zion. And that situation, we'll see when the NBA resumes. I know Adam Silver has met with all of the teams, uh, the owners. Uh, they're meeting with the players. They've got a players committee that they're discussing scenarios with. 
Uh, to me, that that one is, again, we, we went over this last week, Brian. It is very lucrative, and it seems very simple to even go to just one location and conclude with the playoffs and play it out over about a month. A month to five weeks is what you would need with 16 teams and those different playoff series. Let's see if the NBA gets it figured out. Is it going to be June? Is it going to be mid-June? Is it going to be July? Let's see. Let's see if the NBA... Uh, can on that. Other than that, anything else here, Brian Edwards, MajorWager.com, that you've got uh, on the uh, on the cusp here before we get out of here? Man, just uh, I, I would encourage casual fans or not really to you know give give UFC a shot uh, here on Saturday night again because uh, it delivered this past week, and uh, I think and it, certainly if you like to gamble. Uh, you go to MajorWager.com <laughs> and check out uh, my preview with Pink. There we go. And uh, thanks for having me as always, TJ. Check me out on Twitter at VegasBEdwards and uh, my content on VegasInsider.com. And uh, the Vegas Insider is actually selling pick packs for the uh, first time. Well, they briefly experimented with it four or five years back, but uh, back selling pick packs. But mine are, are for, for free for the most part on MajorWager.com and VI. Always love the insight of Brian Edwards. Thank you so much for hanging out here, brother. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the UFC. We got NASCAR back, golf soon, and maybe some other sports coming. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, brother. Have a good weekend. We'll see you, man. Still to come, Shannon Spake of Fox Sports as NASCAR is resuming this weekend on Fox at Darlington, followed by a race midweek also in Darlington, South Carolina, and then two races in Charlotte. Shannon's going to have the full breakdown later. We're talking NBA Chicago Bulls documentary, The Last Dance on ESPN, with Lou Canellis in Chicago, who was right there as part of the Bulls radio and TV coverage of those championships in the 1990s. Lou's got great stories and insight All of that still coming up here on the show. Three Dog Thursday is brought to you in part by MyBookie.ag. All right, I know life with sports is still ongoing, but some of it's about to ramp up, whether it's the UFC fight cards, NASCAR starting up, the golf. We're getting back to some sports and some normalcy, as we've been talking about on the podcast. And right now for this Saturday, grab a risk-free opportunity to bet up to $49 from MyBookie on the UFC fight card that's going on this weekend. So again, check out mybookie.ag and use the promo code SGP and they'll take that promo code and match your deposit up to $1,000. They'll match you halfway up to $1,000. You put in $100, they'll put in $50. You're basically getting free money to play with just by putting money in. So they've got the match that's going on right now. And with my bookie, you bet, you win, and most importantly, you get paid quickly. So take advantage of doing that wagering on the UFC fight card or anything else that's out there now, the coming NASCAR, the golf, anything that's resuming, bet on it with mybookie.ag and the promo code SGP. We're also brought to you in part by the Madden Mayhem Simulation Tournament. We're giving away $10,000 in MyBookie credits right now for the best brackets. You can also bet on all of the simulation games, live wagering, prop bets, futures as it all unfolds. Check it out at MyBookie.ag. The games are all on Thursday through Sunday night starting at 5 Pacific, 8 p.m. in the East. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Madden to find out all the details. Again, up to $10,000 in my bookie credits are available. You got live wagering on the games, on the simulated games with the NFL teams for the 2020 season. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Madden for all the details. We're also brought to you in part by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in pay-per-head providers, and they make it super easy to start your own sports book. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free over at aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP. The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is T.J. Reeves. Okay, it's about to be back. NASCAR resuming under these uh, unique, really highly unusual, unprecedented conditions that we're all enduring, but sports is making its way back. Even with no fans in attendance, 
Uh, even if you're just a casual sports fan, you're probably going to be interested. I happen to enjoy NASCAR. I happen to really enjoy when I get to catch up with Shannon Spake on uh, the NASCAR coverage on Fox as well as the NFL coverage on Fox. And she's kind enough to be with me here as part of the Three Dog Thursday podcast because we're starting some normalcy again. Hey, we all love that. Good to have you. How have you been doing these last few weeks? Because I know you've got kids at home with the e-learning. I've got kids at home with the e-learning. Many listening to us the same. How are the spakes holding up in that household? Well, I've been doing great, but not as good as you've been doing. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans have been doing. <laughs> I mean, I think I texted you a couple times. Yes. Like, your whole life is about to get a lot more exciting. Gronk and Tom, and oh my gosh, it's going to be such a great season for you guys down there. Yeah, let's hope that we get to the NFL and get to the football. They're pressing ahead. NASCAR yep. kind of at the forefront right now is saying, hey, we believe with all the precautions, yep. with all the testing that we can race. We are now to a race week for the first time in, what, nine weeks, we are to a race week in NASCAR so tell me a little bit about that. What's going through your mind? The preparation is is firing back up to broadcast this. Uh, tell me more. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be 10 weeks, right? 10 weeks since we left at Atlanta and they, and they kind of shut everything down. Um, but yeah, it's crazy. So the drivers are essentially going to show up. They're going to go from their street cars because Darlington is a, is a drive from the Charlotte, North Carolina area, which is where most of the teams are located and, and most of the drivers live. So they'll They'll drive to Darlington, they'll go into their motorhomes, and then they'll go straight from their motorhomes to their race cars. NASCAR and Fox has done an amazing job with all of the safety precautions that we have put in place in terms of, A, there's going to be limited personnel there. Each team's limited to a certain number of people, no fans, no family, no PR people, basically just essential workers. All those workers will be um, separated in certain ways, in, in sort of pods. Uh, again, the driver will only come in contact with the person who puts the window net up um, <clears throat> when they jump into their race car. And then crews who work on the car will stay in one area. Crews that, that pit the car will stay in another. Folks that work at the race shop will be in another. So isolation has kind of been one of those things. Testing will do temperature testing before they leave for the track. When they get to the track, teams will have certain times when they have to enter the track in order to maintain that social distancing and if there are any cases, that person will immediately be taken away, quarantined for 14 days, as well as anyone that they've come in contact with. So they really think that we, we believe that we can do a really good job uh, moving forward in, in making this happen. And we do know that there's going to be a lot of eyes on us this weekend because we are the first one to attempt this and to start to move forward and, and start to try to get back to some kind of normalcy. But the, the, the thing, TJ, that's the hardest is you think about these drivers going from zero to 100, literally in 10 weeks, they have done nothing. Some of them have been eye racing. But in terms of getting into a race car and really feeling the car, right. it's going to be 90 degrees down there. It's Darlington. If you know anything about Darlington, they call it the track too tough to tame. It is a nasty racetrack. It is just, it'll just eat you up. Drivers hit the wall all the time. They call it the Darlington Stripe. It is a tough place. And so they're jumping in their race cars with no practice, no qualifying after 10 weeks off at a place like Darlington. Uh, it's going to be intense. Uh, yes, and so it is highly unusual. In fact, it's really unprecedented what they're going to do here because you're not only going to have the race on Sunday, and again, 3.30 Eastern time is the race on Fox on Sunday for the Cup Series. There are other races, the Xfinity Series, which is like, mm -hmm. the best I equate that to is like AAA, the level right below the Cup Series. They're going to have those races uh, as well. But they're going to come back and have another Cup race at Darlington. And help me if I get this mm -hmm. wrong, straighten me out. They're going to have another Cup race mm -hmm. at Darlington Wednesday. And mm -hmm. then they're going to race in Charlotte, proximity not far, on Sunday with the traditional Memorial Day weekend 600-mile race. And then they're going to race again for a fourth Cup Series race in roughly, what is it, help me with my math, 11 or 12 days, right? Yeah. On mm -hmm. the following Wednesday. So this is highly unusual, but if you're a racing fan, if you're a NASCAR fan, you're going to get four Cup races in a hurry, is the point. Yes, yes. 
Uh, NASCAR has maintained this entire time that their intention is to get the entire schedule in. And they've also maintained that their intention is to have the playoffs, which are the last 10 races of the season, intact and, and, and not affected. And so this is what we're doing. Again, we're going to have uh, seven races in, in 11 days, whether it be the trucks or Xfinity or Cup. It's going to be very busy. And by the way, we have two drivers, uh, Ryan Newman, who most people saw the horrific yes. accident, the horrific crash at the Daytona 500. He will be back in the race car for the first time since that wreck. And Matt Kenseth, who's been out of the race car since 2018, Homestead at 2018, is now in the 42 for Kyle Larson, who was released from the team and suspended from NASCAR uh, during the quarantine. And so we also have two drivers who are coming back who have not been in the car mm. in, in quite some time. There are a ton of storylines, a ton of storylines, and, and we know that we're going to have eyes on us that maybe don't necessarily always watch race, racing because of the fact that we are the first live event. I, obviously, I know UFC did their thing uh, last weekend, but we're the first uh, real professional live event sport that, that's getting back to sort of normal, and uh, we know that there's going to be a lot of eyes to, to, to see how we do it, and, and if we get it right, maybe we can make some new race fans while we're at it. No doubt. There will be, there will be lots of interest. You mentioned, too, and this is something uh, that I, I don't think we can just uh, you know brush by. They're not really going to have practice, qualifying, testing. So it's interesting that we may see, don't know, we may see more wrecks, more problems in the initial race. But then after you've had this race, you're right back at the same track with another race uh, three days later, next Wednesday. So it may be a cleaner race hypothetically next Wednesday. So every, everybody's just got to get used to this. And, and I, I don't, I, I believe that it will probably be a high quality race at the beginning. I'm not saying that I'm just saying, be ready for fireworks, be ready for cars bumping, be ready for wrecks yeah. because they haven't been out there. Shannon, it's common sense too, right? And there's going to be no ability. If someone makes you mad on the racetrack, you can't, you can't, confront them after the race which is what some drivers will do they'll be fined you know they are not allowed they are there's these rules are in place for a reason and the social distancing is in place for a reason the drivers when they finish the race they will get out of their cars instead of doing media they'll do skype media or zoom media uh to sort of break down the race and so it's going to look a lot different everyone's going to have masks on obviously it's going to look a lot different but it is good to kind of get back to some sense of normalcy. And it's also going to be really good if we can continue to move forward and show that we can move forward rather than backwards. And so I, I'm excited to see this weekend. I'm excited to see those guys in the race cars. I'm excited to see how things uh, – I'm excited to see that first lap, to see how those guys approach that first lap, knowing what a tough racetrack it is and knowing that they've had zero practice and been out of the race car for, for 10 weeks. Voice of Shannon Spake. You can follow her at Shannon Spake on Twitter from Fox Sports, the Race Hub coverage on weeknights. And then take me through on Sunday the pre-race and your involvement and who else is, is with you before we have Mike Joy, Jeff Gordon, and the whole uh, Fox crew that's going to call these races, plural, starting with Darlington. So take me through your involvement and where we're going to see you in the buildup here. Yeah, so I will be in the studio. So I'll be in the studio solo. We'll have Jamie McMurray, a former race car driver, and Larry McReynolds, a two-time Daytona 500 winning crew chief who used to crew chief for Dale Earnhardt. He's he's part of our pre-race as well. So those two guys will be in separate locations. Again, we are um, adhering to all the rules right now, and so we will be distant from each other. Uh, we'll also have Regan Smith, who's going to be the one pit reporter that will be at the racetrack this weekend, and Clint Boyer, who's become sort of a national treasure during this whole iRacing thing. If you've watched any of the iRacing events, He's been our guy, and, and if you know anything about Clint, he's just like, I mean, you just never know what's going to come out of his mouth. He's so much fun to be around and, and, and truly is what you see is what you get. Uh, and so we'll do a half-hour Race Hub show prior to the race. And then Mike Joy and Jeff Gordon will actually be here in Charlotte calling the race. The one person that we'll have on, on the, you know, in the field will be Regan Smith. He'll again catch up with Clint Boyer right before they jump into the race car and, and get this done. So it's, um, yeah, I mean, hey, we're all, we're all dealing with uncharted territory here we really are kind of like let's we let's get through this weekend and let's figure out again they haven't released any schedules past charlotte we're i'm happy to see that the that the coke 600 is, is going to go on uh because it is such a um such a staple and such a crown it's a crown jewel of our of our sport and and obviously memorial day weekend is very very big to everybody but certainly in the nascar community 
And one other thing that we can also point out is NASCAR has some traditional large events. They did have the Super Bowl of NASCAR at the beginning of this season, the Daytona 500 that you referenced. There's always the Daytona Mm -hmm. Summer Race, and you know I'm a Floridian, and I have been... Uh, I have not been in person to the 500 in February, but I have been on multiple occasions to the 400, to the uh, traditional um, uh, July 4th weekend or thereabouts. They had already planned in the schedule to move that race to later in the year. That had already been Mm -hmm. pre-planned prior to all of this. So, uh, again, you have more time to build up to Daytona. There's even been talk, Shannon, we don't know what's going to happen, that they might do a Brickyard doubleheader around the Indianapolis 500 with the Brickyard NASCAR race, if they could pull that off. A lot of unknowns, but the good news is we get racing back starting this weekend, some normalcy, right? That's the message. Absolutely. I think everyone is is ready to start to kind of move in a direction uh, and, and a safe direction, right? It's, it's, it's let's do this and let's do this safely so that we can continue to move in this direction. And that's exactly what we're doing with this weekend, sort of kicking things off with NASCAR. I know drivers are excited to get back into their race cars. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of athletes will be watching to see athletes in other sports, right, to see how this goes down. So I think everyone is curious to see what the landscape is going to look like coming up this season. And bravo to NASCAR for taking the steps and all the sports that are moving forward. I have preached for several weeks now, for virtually a couple months, that sports will have a part, not the most important part, in us having confidence that we can get back to some uh, normalcy with this. All right, some fun before you go. Just a couple of fun ones. Uh, I, I know we've joked with you before about having the boys in the house. Have, you, have we been working jigsaw puzzles? I know we probably have gaming and on the screens. What have we been doing when we're not e-learning, uh, when we've all been quite, What's been going on in the Spake uh, household? Well, I hate to admit that a lot of iPad time, more than I probably would like, uh, but they have been on their iPads. We are lucky. We have a trampoline, so they go out there and they jump on their trampoline. We, we live on Lake Norman, and, and we have like a little beach area so they can go down there. It has been a little cold up here the last couple uh, days, uh, but, but they can kind of – we've got a little bit of space for the boys to run around. Uh, but, yes, we, um, I'm homeschooling. Um, <laughs> yes. I'm, I, one of the best things that I bought during this whole thing was a mop because I'm cleaning once a, <laughs> once a week. I'm, you know, just doing all the stuff at home. I'm, I'm cutting my dog's hairs. I'm, I'm cutting my hair. I'm cutting my kid's hair. I'm cutting my husband's hair. Wow. Uh, we're cooking a lot. We're baking a lot and uh, watching a lot of movies and, and just kind of in, enjoying the, the time. And, and you know, TJ's like, uh, I don't get like, and you don't write the traditional kind of weekends with your family. Like I work almost every weekend throughout the season, whether it be Saturday or Sundays. So waking up on Sunday morning, sleeping in, getting some breakfast with my kids, it doesn't happen in, in my life. Uh, and, it, and it hasn't for a very long time. So I'm really kind of enjoying the, the, the small little moments that I get with the boys, whether it be sleeping in or, or spending the morning with them making pancakes. And so I'm, I am enjoying a little bit of that time, also knowing that there's a lot of people suffering out there and, sure. and trying to kind of keep that perspective because there are so many people that are, are I mean, my goodness, the heroes that, have, that, have, that we are now like really appreciating, whether it be those frontline workers or, or the teachers, right? The, the fourth grade teachers who we now realize just how hard – <laughs> and challenging their lives really are. So uh, thank you, thank you, thank you to all of those folks for making my life easier, and, and hopefully we can move back to some kind of normalcy uh, and get everyone going again. I love all of this, and I'm in a household, as you know, with my twins who are sixth yes. graders helping with the e-learning with middle school math and social studies and science and different things that we're doing, and we've done lots of Star Wars jigsaw puzzles here. Oh, uh, that's the, awesome. Yes, the twins are very much into the swimming pool because we're in Florida and it's been hot. Uh, we, we, I, I think the Home and Garden Channel has been on with remodeling everyone's home uh, for oh, the yeah. past two months, so we have that going on. And thank you for what you said about first responders, about teachers, and look, there are a lot of people. I don't, I don't, I'm not looking to end on a sour note. We're looking to uplift. There are a lot of people mm-hmm. going through a lot of tough times, financially yeah. and otherwise. Let's hope that NASCAR provides some smiles, some <laughs> yes. relief coming uh, for this weekend. One more time, 3.30 Eastern Time, Sunday on Fox. Pre-race coverage at 3.30 or pre-race coverage just before that, Shannon, while we're plugging away? Just before away. that. 
So just before that. So the Race Hub pre-race show on Fox just before uh, what yep. will be a unique. You'll want to tune in. It's going to be as unique as anything you've seen with a with a race coverage uh, because of what's going on here with COVID nineteen and the new guidelines that are in place. The new normal, as we keep saying, and you're going to get four NASCAR races in roughly eleven days or so. So we're anxious about that too. Shannon, thank you. It's a treat to talk with you. Uh, have a blast. I look forward to seeing you Sunday. I'm encouraging the audience. Tune in. Watch it on Fox. Let's see what happens with the NASCAR. And we thank you for catching up here with me yeah. on Three Dog Thursday, my dear. And my fingers are crossed that I catch up on you with you on several Sundays because I truly hope to be on the sidelines at least for one of your games this season and, and see what you guys have. I did you guys did you see I got to catch up with Chris Godwin? I don't know if you Yes, that out. I did. Godwin um, the receiver great. for the Buccaneers. Buccaneers yeah. looking forward to big times. It's a date. Let's have some football. Let's get Shannon right. Spake uh, on the sideline. Let's do it. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Have a good one. As I was saying all the way back at the beginning of things here on the Three Dog Thursday podcast, we are all, aren't we, uh, loving the Last Dance documentary series airing on ESPN about the 1997-98 Chicago Bulls with Michael Scotty, Phil Jackson. And I get the opportunity to catch up with somebody that was right there among them, around it. Uh, and has great insight as part of the Chicago media for the better part of 25 years or more, uh, going on 30 years. Now, Lou Canellis, who I'm happy to say still returns my text message or a phone call uh, years <laughs> later. Great to hear your voice. Uh, you and I, you and I were around each other around this time when I was doing radio work for the University of South Florida's men's basketball in Tampa. Lou was doing television play-by-play of the conference game, so we got to know each other then. So it's a thrill to get to have you here. And as a Chicago sportscasting maven, you have great insight on, on all of this. First of all, good to have you. How are things? TJ, great to talk to you. It's been a long time. Things are great despite what everyone's going through with the coronavirus pandemic. And I hope everyone is vigilant and safe out there. Um, And I think the only ones that really aren't happy watching The Last Dance are the New Yorkers who are reminded of the pain that they (laughs) felt in the mid-90s. And the Pistons are the people that live in Detroit who uh, actually saw their Pistons unceremoniously bounced out of the playoffs with no class, walk off the court, and uh, hand the torch, so to speak, to your six-time champion Bulls. Oh, no doubt. Uh, And I'm no Bulls guy, but uh, there are a lot of people across the country just like me that aren't invested from the Chicago standpoint that are loving, reliving all of this. Okay, so some fun stuff with this because, again, Lou was part of the pregame, halftime, postgame coverage on the radio for a lot of these championship years, 91 uh, through 93, and then again, 96 through 98. You were also part of the television coverage uh, as well. TV, local, regional, post-game coverage with Sports Channel, uh, etc., in addition to your sportscasting duties. So you were right there. What has impressed you the most watching these documentaries and recapping it? What stands out? And maybe it's two or three things, Lou, that impresses you about them uh, capturing that time period and Chicago and the Bulls and the dominance of Jordan and the Bulls. What, what, What stands out? Well, there's a couple of things, TJ. First of all, the incredible access that Michael gave the cameras. And, you know, at that time, I was around for all six championships. I was there for every year of the 90s. So I saw everything, whether it was, you know, for the most part on radio and then for three seasons on TV as the sideline reporter. And um, I was able to, in addition, I travel with the team. So I was on the team plane. I was on the team bus. I saw a lot of the uh, the Scottie Pippen, Michael Jordan against Jerry Krause uh, firsthand, and uh, I'm just I'm I'm amazed at the access. Number one, number two, I continuously shut off the TV on Sundays with different feelings. This coming off this past weekend, which would have been uh, episode seven and eight, powerful. Just what Michael went through going to commercial break when he was talked to, tested, uh, regarding his competitive fire 
his win-at-all-cost attitude that he had that rubbed some of his players the wrong way. Um, I feel incredible gratitude, and I'm thankful that I was part of something like that. Um, you know, being a Chicago kid growing up on the South Side, went to Loyola University, being a sports fan for the rest, you know, my entire life. It's just, you know, it's re- I'm reminded, and my wife, my wife, um, she was in Atlanta. She was a Chicagoan, but wasn't living in Chicago at the time of the Bulls championship run in the 90s. So we watch it together, and she is just amazed as to what happened. And, and to live it like I did makes me feel incredibly fortunate. And I have a two-year-old daughter now, and I tape everything because I can't wait to show. Well, recently, uh, NBC Sports Network, which uh, used to be Sports Channel, they replayed the 96 playoff run. So it'll give me the chance to show my little Gia, who's two today, but when she's old <laughs> enough to realize what she's watching, I can show her daddy talking to Michael after every wow. game. I can show her daddy talking to Oprah Winfrey in the stands or David Stern. Um, so I, I, I'm thankful, but I'm also angry and bitter, TJ, because I'm reminded that for some reason, Jerry Krause, found it to be incredibly important to him to run the greatest of all time out of the game, even though he had won six championships, three in a row. And he can say all he wants about, well, I didn't, I told him he could come back. No, Michael was as loyal a man as you were going to find. And all he asked was that Phil Jackson be brought back as head coach. And when you tell Phil, you can go 82 and zero, and you're still not coming back you've basically drawn a line in the sand, not only between you and Phil, but between you and Michael. Mm. And I'm, in, I'm angry about that because I don't, I, I'm of the belief that they probably could have won two more championships and we were deprived of watching 23 for at least two more seasons in this town. How about that? Lou Canellis with me. Love his insight. Fox 32 in Chicago where he does his sports casting. Again, he was part of those Bulls teams on the radio call uh, with Neil Funk and company and also uh, as part of the television, the the regional cable package, uh, etc. back in the 90s for the Bulls and all of their title runs. So I love his insight. I was going to ask you, kind of great minds think alike, about Kraus, about that. You've already given... Um, very strong feelings about that. Okay, so there's some criticism that obviously he's not around anymore, he's deceased, to defend himself, that Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner, is able to pawn a lot of this off on a guy that can't defend himself, Kraus, and that Reinsdorf maybe was as much behind this as anything and is escaping criticism. You were there, you lived it. Give us your take, your insight. No, I don't think Jerry... Reinsdorf escapes criticism. Um, people are smart enough to realize that Jerry Krause worked for Jerry Reinsdorf. But what people also need to realize is Jerry Reinsdorf is one of, if not the most loyal business sports owner I've ever seen. Right up there with Mark Cuban. And Mark's a friend, and I find him to be incredibly loyal as well. But Jerry Reinsdorf, his greatest fault may be his loyalty. And his loyalty to Jerry Krause is what created the friction between Michael, Scotty, Phil, and the organization. And when I say that, Jerry Reinsdorf felt incredibly loyal to Jerry Krause because, listen, every player that was part of those six championships, Jerry Krause brought in except for Michael Jordan. And Michael alone could not win an NBA title. He needed the surrounding cast. So Krause does deserve credit for putting those six championships together. And I understand what he's saying when he says organizations win titles. But just like the Bulls don't win those titles with Scotty that Jerry Krause drafted or Bill Cartwright, who Jerry Krause picked up in the Charles Oakley trade, or Dennis Rodman, who Jerry Krause picked up in the Will Purdue trade, or signing Steve Kerr as a free agent, or John Paxson like he did. They also don't win championships without 23. And the fact that Jerry Krause made it his mission to show the world that he could rebuild and win another championship without 23 or without Phil Jackson, 
That's the issue. And Jerry Reinsdorf's loyalty to Krause to allow him to do that. Are you following me here now, TJ? That's the issue here. Jerry Reinsdorf was so loyal to Krause, he said, because here, if Krause had his way, they wouldn't have been together for even that sixth title. Because Jerry Krause was ready to move, make the move before that. Right. And what Jerry Reinsdorf said was, I'll pay Michael another $30 million plus, and you're going to bring back Phil Jackson for another run. But what I promise you is, after giving them the chance to win that sixth title, then, Jerry, you'll have the chance to do what you want with the roster. Understood on that. Luke Canellis giving us great insight here on the Three Dog Thursday podcast. All right, fun one. I'm going to put this one up on the tee. I'm mixing sports and metaphors and let you just knock it out of the park. So we're building to the final episodes here this week that will air at the time that we're taping the podcast, episodes 9 and and 10, which are culminating with the 98 team winning the six of the six championships and doing so in Utah. And you could not, in a Hollywood script, uh, have scripted it any better with all the circumstances and how you've built it up, and yet it's real life. It's reality, and you lived it, and you were right there. So they're going to show how the Bulls won in in Utah, how they won the NBA championship and won that sixth title. Take me back to that, what you remember, what you recall having been there. It's been a little bit, but it's going to be fun for everybody to watch, but you lived it. So what what stands out for you from that moment, the iconic moment of Michael standing there with the arm still in the air after the last shot went in? What, what do you take away, Lou? Well, we're also going to see them go out and win the fifth title So because we haven't seen that yet, right. and that happened in Utah. Uh, well, it happened in Chicago, but... You know, they played the Utah Jazz. So we'll see what that run was like coming off of the 72-win team, um, which was, you know, a few years before. Uh, you're you're going to see, listen, it was incredibly difficult. We've, been a ta- we've gotten a taste of it through the first uh, couple of documentaries of what the Bulls went through that year with Pitt missing the first 35 games and then Dennis needing to go on his – Vegas Bender and, and, and Michael trying to carry the load and just all the outside noise. I know that coaches like to call it noise and they say that their players shut their ears from the noise, the outside noise of this being the last dance and players lose focus after they've done it five times. The, the, what am I what am I looking for here? The the mental strength that it takes to remain focused, to go for that championship is incredibly difficult. And we we saw it with Michael through the first three titles, and now you're seeing it again here at the very end. Just it's exhausting to go through what he went through. So you're gonna see some real emotion on Sunday regarding that what the Bulls went through to get to that sixth title and how it it almost was like a relief to do it and that's it and what happens is you immediately think okay i'm done we can move on you know that's it and then you think back and you're like i wish i had a chance to go for seven you know why can't we go for that fourth in a row you're going to see the struggles that this team went through to win that sixth championship which, which was not easy it was not easy, not for what this team went through all year long, but, but they um, galvanized and, uh, together and, and fought through whatever the outside noise was in Jerry Krause that was tearing them apart, and they went out and they did it, and then they decided to walk away. Voice of Lou Canellis with me for another moment or two. Lou is busy right now, but he's happy to reminisce with me here as part of the Three Dog Thursday podcast. It's the last dance, final two episodes that will debut this Sunday night on ESPN. And again, Lou was right there as part of the Bulls Radio Network coverage for the championships as well as at that time Sports Channel, what he's now calling it through Comcast is NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, with the cable coverage, doing post-game. Lou does a great job with Fox 32 sportscasts uh, in Chicago, long-time uh, Chicago 
uh, sports casting uh, maven. Love his insight uh, on all of this. One more, because again, that that situation where Utah thought maybe it was its time with two Hall of Fame players, John Stockton and Carl Malone, trying to get revenge on the Bulls beating them the year before playing at home, trying to force a Game 7. That game could have gone either way, as you know, Lou. And in the closing moments, it's Rodman that helped knock the ball away from Carl Malone. It gave the final possession for Michael to hit the shot. What do you remember again about, because you were staring at the real possibility, this is going to be a Game 7, a winner-take-all game. And instead, in a matter of moments, it's over. Michael hits the shot. They have the championship, and now everybody's celebrating. And you got to go into that mode, post game celebration, right? You know, I'll tell you what. You watch Michael enough, and I don't have the number in front of me, so I don't remember exactly how many game winners he hit over the course of his Bulls career. I'm going to go with but, I'm going to go with 293, and no one's going to dispute yeah, us. I'm, what, go, I'm going with that number. He, let's just go with that. I let, let's see. And and you thought to yourself. Is he going to hit that 293rd game winner to win a sixth <laughs> title? Because you've become so accustomed to MJ throwing that Superman cape on and putting the Bulls into a position of victory. Um, that's how I felt. As long as it's close down the stretch. Here, if there's 30 seconds left and it's a one-possession game and you've got 23 on your side wearing the Bulls uniform, that's who I'm betting on. I saw it happen enough times over the course of my lifetime. Forget about just doing the games as in a work setting. As a fan as well, I knew that the Bulls had that extra man, that sixth man on the court because Jordan counts for two. And Rodman does what he does best. You know, and, and I'm so glad that they gave him his own episode, TJ, because I became really <laughs> good friends with Dennis. And, you know, if you ask today's youth about, about Dennis Rodman, all they know is the freak show, Dennis Rodman. What they don't know is arguably the greatest rebounder of all time, um, one of the top 10, 10 defenders of all time, and a guy who, who literally stepped aside as an offensive, not weapon, but an offensive option in the triangle offense, stepped aside and, and did his role, which was as a defender and as a rebounder. This guy averaged over eight points a game, and he was what? Number six out of five guys when it came to the offensive option in that <laughs> offense. And he did what it took to win. So I kind of went off there. But Rodman coming up with the defensive play, the ball ending up in 23's hands, and then 23, even as tired as he was, putting uh, Byron Nelson on his heels and still hitting that jump shot. And it was something that, you know, I, I had been fortunate to feel five other times. And in some cases, like I'll never forget one of those moments in life where you remember where you were. I was in the Bulls locker room waiting for them down the stretch, watching on the TV to see if they'd hit that shot to win it in Phoenix and Pax did. Here we go again with MJ at that time hitting the shot and walking off with that pose that forever will be remembered no matter what he did in Washington with the Wizards, that pose of walking off into the sunset a champion again. Love it. Love Lou Canellis's insight. You have delivered big time. You've delivered tenfold uh, for me. Again, follow him at Lou Canellis, C-A-N-E-L-L-I-S, on social media. Find him on Fox 32 in Chicago, reminiscing about all things. I'm glad you're doing well. It's great to catch up with you. I appreciate you spending time with me. We're all going to be watching. If you're a sports fan, how are you not watching how all of this concludes? It would really surprise me. I know they've been averaging around five and a half million. It would surprise me if there's not seven or eight million people that are watching, even though we know what's going to happen. We're going to watch Sunday night with the last dance. And you did a great job previewing it with me. Uh, My friend, thank you. I I appreciate you reliving it with stories with me. And it's great to catch up with you, Lou. TJ, thanks for reaching out. It was a good time. And there we go. That will do it for this edition of the only digital radio show that is devoted exclusively to those underdogs. Thanks for bearing with me during the pandemic. 
Well, we don't have games going on, although some of it is now resuming, whether it's UFC fights, NASCAR, golf looming. Are they going to get the basketball and the hockey back? Is baseball going to play later this summer? Can they get that worked out? One thing's for sure. We're going to hang here and keep banging out editions of this program. Thanks to Brian Edwards, Vegas uh, Insider, MajorWager.com. Shannon Spake of Fox Sports' NASCAR coverage. Lou Canellis in Chicago with the Bulls uh, radio and TV coverage of the 90s. And Lou now with Fox 32 television in Chi-Town. Thank all of my guests. Thank you for being with us as well. Once more, subscribe via Apple Podcasts, via Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you find those podcasts. Subscribe to the show. Even if you found us on a Sports Gambling Podcast a network feed through their website, a social media link, subscribe away. We would love to have you, and the show will come automatically to you if you subscribe on your handheld device on your iPad. For now, we're done. I'm TJ Reeves. Enjoy sports beginning to resume. Enjoy the last dance finale on the documentary, the NASCAR race, and much more. We're back next week with Three Dog Thursday. Bye.